With their latest earnings results, Google Cloud is approaching a $30 billion business. This creates a massive opportunity for you as partners to help Google's customers take full advantage of their cloud environments by providing the ecosystem of additional services, platforms, and expertise only partners like you can provide. So if you're a technology leader looking to learn how to effectively grow your business, then you're not going to want to miss this exclusive Ultimate Guide to Partnering series, Precision Partnering. In this series, I'm joined by the Google leaders driving the partnership business to help define what it takes to effectively partner with Google. This is the Ultimate Guide to Partnering, the top partnership podcast. In this podcast, Vince Minzione, a proven partner sales executive, shares his mission to help leaders like you achieve your greatest results through successful partnering. And now your host, Vince Minzione. Welcome to, or welcome back to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host. And today, I welcome Scott Barnison, leads the ISV or Independent Software Vendor Partner Team for Google Cloud North America. Scott and I have an engaging conversation on our shared conviction that every company is becoming a technology organization and that customer relevance and technologically differentiated solutions are critical to success. Scott also explains how Google's precision partnering methodology, working back from the customer, helps align the right ISV solutions to the customer's challenge. We also discuss partnering and the philosophical and tactical attributes he finds critical to success. I hope you take time to listen to this episode because I really enjoyed spending time and getting to know Scott Barnison. This episode of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Google Cloud. Google Cloud's mission is to accelerate every organization's ability to digitally transform its business. More than any other top cloud provider, Google Cloud has unique capabilities to meet the needs of customers across four areas, data, trust, open infrastructure, and collaboration, all underpinned by sustainable technology. Learn more at cloud.google.com. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Vince. I am so excited to welcome you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You lead the ISV team within Google Cloud's partner organization for North America. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role and the mission of your organization? As you mentioned, I'm Scott Barnison. I joined Google Cloud in January of this year. Uh, I lead an incredible team of folks who work across technologies, solution areas, geographies, and industry verticals, all focused on helping Google Cloud customers achieve their business objectives by positioning and delivering customer-relevant, technically differentiated solutions that come from our ISV partners. We're focused on ISVs. I think it's a really fun place to be. We get to target those applications, the solutions that really help power our customers' businesses. But of course, we're part of the Google Cloud ecosystem. So my team works closely with the rest of the partner organization, whether that's services or reseller partners, the GSIs. I've had a chance to meet with a bunch of partners since I joined. It's really gratifying. It's wonderful. I hear consistently that this team is a difference maker in helping our ISV partners 
go to market and accelerate growth with Google. Super excited to be part of that story alongside the team. Well, you had quite a bit of excitement last week. You hosted an event in New York City, a really terrific event, an ISV forum. I could feel the excitement in the room around what Google has to offer and all the things that are going on within your organization. But I thought for our listeners, you could spend a little bit of time here. You talked about customer relevance. You talked about technologically differentiated solutions. Why do you think partners and customers choose to work with Google Cloud? Yeah, I think there's a really, there's a couple things, and I'll talk you through it. First, there is a fundamental understanding that the cloud in general, not just Google, but overall in the market, continues to play this pivotal role in underpinning the digital transformation goals of companies across the global economy. This is hitting all industries, all segments of the market. And so it starts with this conviction around, look, all businesses are digital businesses, right? And so how do we accelerate that transformation to get faster time to market and increase value to customers? It's really about having a strong strategy around cloud and transformation. The next is Google specifically, we're really focused on this concept of precision partnering, bringing the right folks from the ecosystem together, working back from the customer requirements, their use cases, their needs, to have these low friction, high value solutions that we can deliver through Google, maximizing their return on Google technologies. And regardless of where they are in their cloud journey, their level of maturity, the stage of adoption, et cetera. So creating that environment for customers and for our partners, it shows the investment we have in advancing customer success. And I think you see that we're in an interesting time. We Every headline now is dominated by artificial intelligence and Gen AI. Of course, Google's been doing this for quite some time. But I think the strong, deep engineering expertise within Google is something that has our partners really excited about partnering with us. They know that there's a, an opportunity for them to level up their existing solutions, adding new functionality that's, again, relevant and differentiated for customers, but also creating totally new businesses, new revenue streams, new paths to market with us. I'd like to unpack here a little bit. You said several very important things. You talked about some of the economic headwinds, some of the headwinds this time of digital transformation that we've been seeing. And time to market, customer value are of utmost importance during this age of transformation. You also talked about working backwards from the customer perspective. And I got to meet one of your ISV sellers, Chelsea Berlucci, I believe is her name. I'm just interested on how that works. And I had the impression that Chelsea is in the field working with customers on behalf of the ISV, your ISV team and helping to drive that. How do you think about, from a customer's perspective, applying precision partnering to drive the right outcomes? Yeah, it's a fascinating challenge because we have over 100,000 companies in the Google Cloud Partner Advantage program. So incredibly robust ecosystem of partners. Now, if you're a field seller, and you are aligned to a territory, let's just say it's you know New York, or you're aligned to an industry vertical like healthcare and life sciences, how do you know which partners are going to be the most impactful for your customer workloads? And so Chelsea's team is focused on mapping to either a subregion, a geography, a territory that has sales leadership, 
and sales teams and customer engineers or to those industry verticals. And by doing that, they can get really deep in understanding what does the landscape look like in this given subregion or this vertical? What is the language that these customers speak? What are the top priorities for their business, whether it's regulatory compliance or improving their operational efficiency or getting to to market faster, as we talked about previously. And so her team really are the translation engine using people from here's the catalog of what's possible, which is exciting, but can be overwhelming to here are the targeted use cases where we have through this precision partnering initiative we believe really compelling and low friction solutions that we can bring to market in a repeatable way. And so it it really is common sense. And in in a sense that, of course, we're going to start with the customer's challenges and we want to meet an unmet need in the market, if you will, but it requires a lot of discipline and, um, and really high caliber people. So, you know, Chelsea's been doing a phenomenal job. And what I think I heard is identifying the customer's challenges maybe looking back towards your solution areas. And we're going to have Rebecca Potts on this podcast as well to talk about what her team does. And then applying the right partner methodology, this precision partnering methodology to help the customer achieve their greatest results. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. And and the thing that this creates a bit of a flywheel, right? We're starting with the strong technology differentiation that we have at Google Cloud. And then we're layering on the solutions that are provided by ISVs or from our services and consulting partners. And that combination is what builds that customer-relevant, technically differentiated solution, which drives adoption. And as we drive adoption, we get more of those inputs, as you described, around, well, what's next? What do they need? What are the challenges they're facing, which help us focus and prioritize the next thing for us to build or new features to add? And so we believe that creating that flywheel is a really powerful driver of sustainable economic value for our customers. And when our customers win, our partners win. And when our partners win, that's when we win. So it's it's a really beautiful thing when it all comes together. And you talked about differentiated technology, and we've talked about security and how important that is right now, the data cloud that Google exudes and the great work that Google has always done in the world of data, and then AI. And one of the highlights for me from your event was Dr. Patricia Florisi, who discussed an amazing array of capabilities within the Google Cloud. Can you expand on Google's approach? Absolutely. And couldn't agree with you more that Dr. Patricia is a spectacular human being. I'm so thankful to be at a company that attracts this type of talent and and that she had the time and energy to be on stage and talk through the Google story. There are a few principles to think about as it relates to AI. And so starting with the fact that as part of Google Cloud, we're really leaning on taking advantage of Google's deep proven experience with AI. This is something that we have been focused on for a very long time and it has shown up in Google's products, just not necessarily branded as AI all along the way. So we're combining industry-defining research. We talked a little bit about that earlier along with the hardware and software innovation coming out of Google Cloud to responsibly, and that's an important word, responsibly advance the opportunities for consumers and for companies to create real value, actual tangible value with artificial intelligence. So what we're seeing from customers and our partners, this is 
really rare combination. All of this excitement, it's in the market. It's all anybody wants to talk about. A strong sense of urgency. So not only is it exciting, but we got to do something about it right now. But then also clarity. Oftentimes when you have excitement and urgency, you create motion and anxiety, but there's a lot of clarity and it all comes back to what are the customers' needs? Again, what are they facing? Where's their real use cases with real requirements and real budget to grow their businesses or solve customer problems, take cost out, be more efficient using this new powerful technology? So that's thing number one and thing number two. The other key, and this is a critical one, is Google's focused on delivering enterprise-ready services, extending the value of their data, the customer's data, without risk of losing their IP. So we are utilizing the customer's data to extend the models we have without using that data to train Google's models. And that's a key, important point for anyone who's trying to understand what's the right path for us as an organization. You need to be think thoughtful about how do I make sure I'm maintaining ownership around my IP. So we've been in, innovating around AI and machine learning for for decades now. I'd say it's still early days for what's possible. And our approach is we're focused on long-term success for customers. We're not going to sacrifice that responsible approach for a potential short-term gain. But it's an exciting place to be. And some of the use cases that you see coming to the forefront, it's across industries, it's across segments. And, and there's so much more to come. So it's a pretty exciting place to be. Very exciting. And you announced a few partnerships or partner motions around AI at the event. I don't know if you're, if this is privileged information or if you can share some of those announcements that you made. Yeah, there's a bunch and there's more every day and it's spanning both the services side with companies like Deloitte and Cognizant, as well as with our ISVs. And you saw announcements from SAP last week. Uh, obviously, there's a lot that can be done around the kind of open data offering, simplifying all of the the assets these organizations have that then new value can be unlocked with AI. One I'm really excited about is the GitLab announcement. Again, I think this was a couple weeks back, thinking about utilizing generative AI in a way that augments the developers. I think folks are trying to understand what is the role of AI in helping extend the, the capabilities of their current workforce. There's many more. And I think the capabilities that AI will bring to market to help the billion plus people around the world who are working through accessibility challenges, it's going to be you know really gratifying to be part of and look forward to seeing how that develops. Such exciting times, Scott. So we've talked about AI. This is the ultimate guide to partnering. And you and I both have been around partnerships for quite some time. Is there one thing that you believe isn't taught, but you believe to be true around successful partnering? I'll give you two answers. I'm going to cheat and give you two answers. One's philosophical and one is tactical. And I think philosophically, the most critical mindset, you know, you can talk about growth mindset and value mindset, but to me, it's all about empathy and empathy in all directions. So having conviction and clarity as to why the partnership is beneficial for everyone involved, the end customer, for the partner, for the sellers, for the brand, for the supporting ecosystem, for the folks that are doing the technical support. Once you have a solution, the ability to put yourself 
in the shoes of those stakeholders and consistently evaluate what does this partnership bring to those to those folks? How do we articulate and express that? And how do we track the impact? If you can do that well consistently, and that'll show up differently for different partners, then in my experience, you can be much more effective, much more successful, cut through a lot of the noise. So that's the philosophical answer that I've used to kind of remove some of the friction and noise around partnerships. Tactically, I'll tell you something that that people don't teach. And and frankly, it's also difficult to manifest. But I found that finding a champion, someone who cares disproportionately about your success as the partner is a real difference maker in landing and growing that partnership. And there have been times in my career where my named or natural counterpart at the partner organization, for whatever reason, just they're not particularly motivated or they don't see the same value or maybe the dynamics in the market are such that they're not really pushing for growth or maybe their compensation plan and their goals, et cetera, don't align with what we're trying to drive. And that's a moment where you can choose to be frustrated or move on. For me, just finding someone who does care, maybe that's an engineering team or in the customer success or one of the sales leaders in a geography where there is an obvious fit can be the difference maker. And so having the grit to go find that individual, demonstrate the value and grow the partnership over time, I think is One thing that probably is known but isn't taught, as I like to say, humans still matter. And so building those relationships, it turns out actually people want to work with people that they enjoy spending time with, who they see share the passion for customer success. That's probably the one that, that sticks out to me the most. So impactful what you had to say here, Scott. So first of all, you reminded me about finding the champion. Somebody's got to be rooting for your success and pulling you along, helping you navigate. To your point, the partner's got to find those champions. They need to develop those champions, right? It's not about reads and speeds. It's not about other things from a technology perspective. It's about the personal touch, as you mentioned. And then I love what you had to say about empathy because we we miss this, right? We talked about mindset. I talked about mindset at your event. And empathy is the most important ingredient to whether it be a growth mindset, a partner-led mindset, a value mindset. Can you teach empathy? I think so. I think so. I'll tell you personally, I'll give you a two-cent story. I had an opportunity in my last company to spend two years living outside of headquarters based in the UK with the team spread across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And I tell you, I learned a bunch of it. Being away from HQ in cultures with different languages and understanding the different dynamics and challenges that they had getting the work done they needed to and some of the challenges around communication and time zones. But it does require you to be open-minded and, and to desire to grow that muscle. It's I think it's easier <laughs> to be selfish, but as a citizen of this universe, empathy is is a skill and a characteristic that that all of us, all of our teams aspire to grow. And, and it's one of those that you're never done, right? There's You don't hit a, it's not a checkbox, it's a journey for all of us. I'm going to add to this. I think empathy allows you to build better champions by being empathetic to the other side. Yeah, 100%. So lots of excitement as we've talked about. And for the partners that are listening today, the thousands of partners that are out there that want to work with Google, how do they start? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about it. I mean, there's the process and the tooling and the programs, and those are all important. But to me, again, it all starts with the customer. This concept of precision partnering, putting the customer in the center, understanding their needs, their use cases, where they're currently hitting roadblocks, and bringing together a compelling solution comprised of the Google technology combined with an ISV's application and and may even be aspirational, right? We're building a solution. We need to do the technical integration to deliver features and capabilities that will solve those customers' problems. But but focusing on a specific customer area, a specific use case where we know there's unmet need and budget is the most critical. One of the pitfalls I find with ISVs looking to partner with Google is it feels more natural to say, hey, good news. We have a platform and our platform does everything for everybody. So no matter where you're selling, we can sell with you. Can you introduce me to all of your sales reps? And of course, the answer to that is, well, it's, yeah, I'm going to lose momentum and credibility with the sellers if we're not really focused on the customer problem we're solving. And, and they're having to learn all of the Google solutions plus and number of partner solutions as well. So taking a focused, targeted approach, working back from where we're most likely to win, whether that's a vertical or a geography or a sales segment, getting the momentum going. And then expanding from there, we see time and time again, that is the recipe to success for scaling partnership with Google Cloud. I think there are so many great examples where this happens. And I'll, I'll just share one really briefly. We had an opportunity with Kraft Heinz where Kraft was looking for, hey, how do we utilize There's so much data, but historically in retail, that data was distributed. It wasn't necessarily perfectly organized in a way that gave the telemetry and the visibility, the characteristics of the customer base, because they're going through wholesale and through distribution and stuff sitting on retail shelves, et cetera. And so the market need, the customer need was how do we use this first party data, this gold mine we're sitting on to better understand our customers, to provide more focused, personalized experiences that those customers now come to expect, right? Any new brand that's launching today, this is day one, (laughs) this is number one on their strategy is we're going to have a direct relationship with our customers so we can deliver a specific targeted messaging to them. So Kraft Heinz, they knew they had this challenge and they worked with a great ISV partner, LiveRamp, in collaboration with Google to unlock the value of that data by providing this unified view of the customer. It's great to see the journey for how the customer, in this case, Kraft Heinz, fought through what's important, why a partner, why Google Cloud, but ultimately it was about better serving their customers, which when you do that well, things like conversion rate get better and business improves, et cetera. So I think that focusing on retail as an experience for LiveRamp was one of the ways that they built that momentum with us in the field. I love this. We're going to put a link in the show notes to this case study. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And if our listeners, these ISV organizations, if they haven't been working with your organization today, whom should they reach out to? Is there a contact within your organization or is there a way to get them to the right path to success? To me, the the right answer, the fastest path is to join the Partner Advantage Program if they haven't already. We have partner advisors that we'll spend one-on-one time with each partner and identifying where are you in this journey and what is the opportunity we have together. The team that I lead 
We focus on a number of ISVs where we have solutions in market. They're ready to go to market. And we've identified the opportunity that's ahead of us. And it's really about going and making it happen. And so clearly that's a subset of the 100,000 plus partners that are in the program. But that's where the foundation begins. Uh, So I'd encourage them to check out the Partner Advantage program if they haven't already. Yeah. And we'll put links in for Partner Advantage as well in our show notes. But Perfect. Scott, this has been a great conversation around partnering, but as you might know from listening to other episodes, I'm fascinated with how people got to this particular spot in their career, and I wanted to focus on your personal and professional journey a bit. You've had an amazing career in this tech sector, working with some leading organizations. Was there a pivot point? Was there an inflection or a spark that got you to this spot? Yeah, I have had a non-traditional career path. If you look back at my history starting in the field and direct sale. I mean, my first job out of college, I was Jim Halpert from the office selling paper door to door. It was not glamorous, but I learned a lot about sales at that time and had a chance to do M&A. That was inflection point number one. I had a mentor and <laughs> in the office. I walked by this guy's office every day and he was always in a good mood. His feet were up half the time. And I stopped one day and said, hey, I'm just curious, you know, what it is you do for a living. And he, he talked me through his role. He was in business development, working with partners. And he was the person that really pushed me to go try to get into mergers and acquisitions, which is something I felt wildly unqualified to do. But that nudge was enough to get me to think about it and position myself. And I was able to make that career transition. So that's number one. And and then I've, I've just been blessed with some amazing mentors along the way that pushed me to think differently, who pushed me to accept opportunities that I, again, didn't feel particularly qualified for. That's how I ended up doing product management and leading P&Ls and owning engineering teams. So to me, it's there's lots of them, but they, they pretty much all have a few things in common. Of course, luck is the first one. The sense of community, building relationships, to me, has to be grounded in, in something real. And when you have a sense of community, whether that's a sports team or a, a philanthropic organization or just the local community you live in, those relationships tend to be more meaningful than just LinkedIn requests, if you will. So luck, community, the courage to take on something new, the humility that you need to learn. For me, that's been a constant state of being upside down in terms of what I know versus what's expected of me. And then the grit to just keep going. So I feel incredibly fortunate to combine some of those ingredients into a lifelong career of, of learning alongside just unbelievably talented, inspiring people. So I hope I'm leaving a positive legacy behind. I try to think about those characteristics when I meet individuals who may be at that point in their career when I was walking by that guy's office. Hopefully, the little tiny corner of history I live in will will weigh and judge me to have been a positive influence. But that's what I think about. What a fascinating journey. I love it. Was there like one best piece of advice along that journey? (laughs) I mean, I'll say I got married very young. And my wife is much smarter than me and is more organized and works harder and, and, and she's a computer engineer undergrad and was in technical sales for a long time. So I always felt she pushed me to think bigger than the moment I was in. And so it wasn't necessarily a line, but when you have a, I had a, a fairly technical degree, operations and management information systems. And if you asked me when I went into college, Hey, is your ideal job? going door to door selling paper, I would have said, that won't be me. 
but the reality of the situation when I graduated, there weren't a ton of jobs. And so that was the one that, that helped me pay the bills. But she's the one that was constantly pushing me to not just go through the motions, right? Once you're in that situation, what are the things you can control? What are the opportunities that you can manufacture? And, and then always having the support so that I could say yes and have that courage knowing that I had her support behind me. So t- tons of gratitude for uh, the impact she's had on me. So this is a favorite question, Scott. You are hosting a dinner party. And this dinner party could be anywhere in the world. We could discuss locations after. But you can invite any three guests for this amazing dinner party from the present or the past. Whom would you invite, Scott, and why? I feel like this is like a trap. Any answer is insufficient, right? Because you've got this incredible population to draw from of important historical and impactful individuals from past to present. So I'm not going to play the game where I'm getting it right. And so I mentioned the impact my wife's had on my life. So my wife's number one. I know that's cheesy, but it's happening. And then I'm going to just have a good time at this dinner because people smarter and more important than me would pick perfectly and pass on those lessons. But I'm going to have fun. So I pick two of my favorite comedians on planet Earth. I pick Ricky Gervais, who uh, I think is just a brilliant comedian, an interesting character, a great person. And then the classic Jerry Seinfeld. So we're going to have Jerry and Ricky. Uh, I don't know that we'll learn the origins of the universe or solve some of the problems that face mankind, but we're going to laugh a lot and have a good time. It's going to be a party and uh, she'll hate that answer if she ever listens to this podcast. So sorry, Colleen. Uh, I'm being a little bit selfish and enjoying this dinner party, my magic wand dinner party. I'm, But I think, thankfully, you asked, I think you asked this question to others. So they will probably pick historically significant individuals. They'll learn lessons and then they can pass those lessons on to the rest of us and make us better people. I love this dinner party, Scott. If you're okay with it, where are we having it, by the way? Because I'm getting on a jet and coming over to see you. I don't know. I'm not fancy. Probably because it's Jerry and Ricky. Neither of them will like picking it, right? Jerry's going to want it to be in New York at a diner. And Ricky's going to want it to be in Hampstead somewhere in the UK. So I'm good with either. Okay. I love, by the way, I'm a big Jerry Seinfeld fan. I just, I, I, I could just veg out on, on old episodes. <laughs> and Ricky's pretty cool too. And I'd love to meet your wife. So I'll bring a beverage. How's that? Perfect. You're in. Scott, you have been such a fun and amazing guest. I have so been delighted to get to meet you at your event and looking forward to your success. For our listeners... How can they optimize for success in the coming year working with Google Cloud? Yeah, I would say number one is just embrace the chaos we're all experiencing. It's one of those situations where there's risk, there's uncertainty, there's these headwinds that we talked about. And at the same time, there's opportunity, there's innovation happening, this ability to create tomorrow. So I like to tell my team, look, you can either be irritated or excited. My belief is those that acknowledge those challenges, acknowledge some of the friction we face, but embrace the opportunity and the innovation and really focus on utilizing your energy to make forward progress. Like for for our world, that's really about helping our customers. But those that use their energy for good, if you will, are going to be best positioned to grow and find success. And I think Google is really a great place to be right now. It's a great company to partner with, given this environment, staying hyper-focused on our customers and our ecosystem. We're going to create this 
environment where customers win or partners win and Google can win. The last thing I'd say, I mentioned this a few times, I'd be really stubborn about understanding that differentiation. Every time I meet a partner, I like to ask them, hey, what is the one or two sentences that makes our relationship, Google plus you, compelling and different in the market? And it's a little surprising how often I get the head tilt and a little puzzled look. We got to have that answer because it's important. The customers care that we are investing. and We can articulate that in just one or two sentences. So that's where the magic happens. If you have this compelling solution aligned to a set of customers where there's unmet need, you can really have some fun. I think maybe the last final thing is we talked about just inject empathy into everything you do. Simple as that. That's the magic recipe for growing as a person, removing friction and noise from relationships and, and focusing on what matters. So, so thank you again, Vince, for having me. All the best to you. Thanks again for being at our event last week and presenting. It was so cool to meet you in person. And I'm glad you had a chance to experience all the energy we have right now with our ISVs and, and the ecosystem. So all the best to you, all the best to your listeners. Appreciate you having me. Scott, first of all, such great advice. You gave so many great lessons for our listeners and so great to meet you. The excitement, the energy, it really is infectious. And I look forward to your success. We are in the tech sector have such a great opportunity and perhaps an obligation to lead at this time. And I'm certain that the work that you're doing will lead us in that right direction. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. So there you have it. Another amazing guest joins Ultimate Guide to Partnering. And I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Odds are, if you're a technology partner executive and hearing my voice, chances are you too are looking to accelerate your success through partnerships. I mean, let's face it. We all have seen partnerships that look good on paper, but never live up to their expected results. There are a lot of reasons why partnerships fail. And at Ultimate Partnerships, we help you get it right by applying a proven set of best practices and framework that's used by leading partners working with Microsoft and other technology giants. If you want to learn more, follow the link in the show notes or visit our website at ultimateguidetopartnering.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.